Welcome to the GS Nation podcast. Our focus is personal development, health, wellness, mindset, and entrepreneurship. Show notes may be found at gsnation.com slash podcast, as well as on our YouTube channel and in the details section of your podcast app. Thanks for listening. We're your hosts, Carrie and Dave. Let's rock and roll. Hello, and welcome to the GS Nation podcast. Today, Dave and I interview Angelo Cisco. Angelo is the owner and head coach at O'Hare CrossFit, and he's also created an incredible brand called Alpha Hippie. For Angelo, coaching is definitely his life's work. He's faced hardship when it comes to his own health and fitness, but he managed to turn his life around, and he continues to make progress. Towards the start of his fitness journey, Angelo dedicated himself to losing weight. He went on to lose 100 pounds in seven months doing CrossFit and proper nutrition, of course. During this time, he found a passion for motivating others to pursue their fitness goals and aspired to become a trainer. He quickly found that the environment of the hard sell and peddling supplements was not the approach he wanted to take. So instead, he wanted to provide a valuable, sustainable service to his customers. Fast forward, and today he is proud to call O'Hare his home, where anyone who is looking for a change and is willing to put in the work is welcomed into a massively supportive community. Y'all, enjoy this podcast. It was such a great conversation. We hope you love it. What's going on, y'all? We are here uh, with the GS Nation podcast with a friend of ours, Angelo Cisco of Alpha Hippie. What's going on, Angelo? Oh, I'm just so happy to be on your show, my brother. Thank you guys both for having me. You're very, very welcome. Very welcome. So another uh, Mark England introduction, the man, the myth, the legend. (laughs) Episode Uh, four. (laughs) How'd you you meet Mark, Angelo? So I met Mark England. Oh, by the way, I never say Mark's name without saying his first and last name. <laughs> That's like my one rule. I always say Mark England, even if I'm talking to him. Um, I, I talk to him. I'm like, you know, Mark England. And I always say that. So <laughs> I met Mark um, through uh, some mutual friends, uh, Mike Bledsoe and the people of Barbell Shrugged. And they um, they got us connected with vocabulary. And this was like in the early phases of, of really him getting it out there. And so uh, he gave the Barbell Shrugged people, because uh, I was on the team back then, uh, a call after you were done with vocabulary. And Mark and I might have talked for like an hour, maybe 75 minutes. Like I thought this was going to be like a 30 minute, just like we'll get through this thing. And and me and him talked for such a long time. I believe he was living in Venice at the time or staying in Venice. And and we talked and we just, um, you know, we just kept doing it after that. We would be connected about vocabulary or I would get at people uh, for my team. And, and Mark and I just hit it off. I've had him do seminars uh, at my gym and for my team for two years in a row now. Awesome. Awesome. And have you gotten linked up at all with the Unlifted program that they're launching here next week at Paleo FX? Funny you say that. I was one of the people that got uh, to play with it early. What do you think? I, I have to tell you what, um, as a vocabulary uh, graduate, um, Mark Mark's ability to teach and get his point across on camera is f- 10,000 times better. Like I couldn't believe how, like when he would speak, like Mike would put a little bit of the... Um, 
like sort of humor to it. But like when yep. Mark would speak, he would just hammer home points, but like big points, like boom. And it was just, mm-hmm. uh, I told him as soon as uh, I was doing it, that uh, one of the biggest things that if you ever took it or saw him just in his growth in these few years, being able to articulate and speak so much better. And, and everyone knows that speaking in person is one thing, but just staring at a camera and having charisma is a, a whole nother thing. Definitely. And that that was my takeaway from the course as well is the sentences he delivers are so dense, but the way in which he speaks them comes across as easy, uh, understandable, uh, digestible. Um, I thought he did a great job as well of being very clear, concise and reaching his audience. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be very, um, eye-opening for a lot of people. I think a lot of people, especially in fitness or in sport, um, you know, they, they know the mental side of things really matters, but it's just much easier to do squats, you know? And so I'm really looking forward to, to people being able to embrace that idea of, of having that in their lives. So Angela, who's your version of Billy? Did, did you go through that, uh, that exercise? Do you have a name? Oh, great. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God. The gym Uh, hero. Oh yeah. Um, what was the name? Oh fuck! It was. It wasn't a nice name. I'm not. I forgot. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't anything good. But I know what you're talking about. You guys will see Billy, and you'll laugh yourself out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mine is uh, Showtime Stan. So there's a uh, Stan the man. Stan the man. James Showtime Billy. Stan. Yeah. Yeah. That's Stan awesome. likes to go into new environments and throw on weight and hurt himself. So it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, great thing here. Uh, well, y- you own a CrossFit gym now. Is that correct? Yeah, I've owned O'Hara CrossFit uh, f- since November 2010. So a little over eight, eight and a half years. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel like I'm an old man. I feel like I'm Harris in Major League when people talk to me about gyms. I feel like I got like the the veggies, the stuff on my head, and I could got the snot. Like I just got the old tricks, you know. I'm <laughs> well, I mean, that was the not the beginning of CrossFit, but I mean, if you opened that in 2010 or early 2011, you've been around for for a long time. You've been around for the majority of of the time that CrossFit has been a sport. So, what have you seen? owning a gym, you know, from that perspective in the evolution of CrossFit. Are you asking just from an, uh, evolution of CrossFit from an affiliate standpoint or as like a, as, as, a, as a sport, let's say from an affiliate standpoint, from like, from your perspective as a CrossFit gym owner, how, how have you seen CrossFit O'Hare evolve? Yeah. Um, so I was very, very fortunate. Like the way I try to explain CrossFit or my business life with CrossFit is, is I got on the surfboard just before the wave started. And that was the most fortunate thing for me because then I was able to afford and learn how to be a businessman because I had resources to do it. Yeah. Um, that's probably like, if you look at the timeline of CrossFit, opened the gym in 2010, I was just really raw and wanted people to experience this amazing, uh, thing that I found. I, before I was doing that, I, I rented a racquetball court space for, uh, a little over a year, maybe 14 months. And, uh, and so I just was so excited about cre- uh, spreading this message because I lost 95 pounds doing CrossFit just by myself, looking at .com and, and borrowing workouts and doing stuff like that. And so, hell yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what really, really created all this. And so when I first opened, I just had a lot of passion. I had no business skills. I didn't understand any of those things. And the truth of the matter is, is I, um, 
when I filled out my lease application for my first spot, I didn't even have a bank account. I only took cash at the time. So my poor sister, I go, Hey, we got to go to the bank. And she put me on all her bank accounts. And then when, um, that's the, the the accounts that I use. I didn't even have anything like that. And then they would call me up and they're like, sir, we checked the account. There's not enough money for rent. And I go, I know, but I'm going to bring you a bag of cash. And that's how like my <laughs> beginning of my business was. And uh, I didn't even know that you had a, I thought you just paid a lease and then you opened the door. I didn't know you had to get like a business license. So they tried to like shut me down then. But like I had this thing of CrossFit that I was so passionate about and and at that time too, there really wasn't much exposure in my area. And so it, as soon as I was able to get it to people, like in an organized way, like having a gym, things really worked out really well. That's fantastic. And and most businesses don't have that early success. Um, so that's, you know, you ride the wave you're on and <laughs> you rode that wave and that's fantastic. W- what are some of the what are some of your biggest successes in the gym? I mean, you yourself lost 95 pounds doing CrossFit. You said alone in a racquetball court? like Yeah, like, so I started doing CrossFit January 5th, 2009, and there wasn't like affiliates around that you could really go to. It wasn't a thing. So I um, I would do it like in a little – yeah, I would rent a, a racquetball. As soon as I started training people, I rented a racquetball court space, but like in a little like village hall where no one even knew what I was doing. I was dropping weights and just you know figuring it out like everybody else. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. As yeah. a as a self starter, uh, it sounds like you know one of the things that we see a lot, whether it's entrepreneurs or even our clients, is just this hesitation to even start. Right, like the well, I need to get all my ducks in a row before I can like start to open this business or start to lose weight. You know, I need all these things first. And it sounds like you. With this gym, it was kind of the opposite, right? You said, well, I thought I just needed a lease and then I realized I needed a business license. Could you speak a little bit to you know, what it's like learning along the way and the kind of mindset that helps you um, roll with the punches? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, when I opened the gym, I was 26 years old and... I I had this story in my head uh, because I didn't finish college and uh, I never really had like a, a regular job or, or anything like that. I had this identity that I was just a loser. And um, CrossFit was this thing that, you know, I lost 95 pounds with and I felt like for the first time I did something for me and that I wasn't a loser anymore. And then that really just carried me through, um, the business stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, can you imagine if I make a living doing this? That's not even working. This is the greatest. And that's, and I just really wanted, uh, you know, even, you know, even though it's not from the greatest place, but I just wanted like my parents and my, the people around me to be like, Oh my God, this is like somebody. And, uh, so I didn't give a, sh- I didn't, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't give a fuck. Like, you know, they, they put the sticker on my door. I'd open the gym in the back door and just lock the door when the people came in for class and never would answer the door if the other people <laughs> came in. I was, I was going to do this by hook or by crook because I just was, I just wanted like, you know, the people in my life to be like, oh my God, Angelo did something. Not, he's just not, oh, he's just doing this CrossFit thing. You know, I was, I wanted just to make myself and the people around me really proud. I'm sure you've done that. Yeah, that's an that's an awesome why as well. I mean, you know, having talked about the vocabulary course and then lifted, like it sounds like you were driven by, you know, your family and your close kind of group, your close community. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think, um, I posted this yesterday and it's a, it's a quote, it's a, my relationships are my estate, you know? And, uh, when you have people around you that you do something and they share in that and they, they love it, you know, I'm not saying that you should do it only for them, but it really is nice when you could share your successes with the people that you really love. It's probably the best part of my day. I live, um, I live seven blocks from my best friend. I go and ride my bike to his house every day that it's not snowing here because it's nuts in Chicago. But that's, you know, my life. I love, you know, being around my people and having that connection. That's awesome. Uh, We, you know, with GS are continuing to build a community of like-minded individuals with, you know, a similar sort of just mindset of just being with those that you love and surrounding yourself with people that inspire you and build you up and keep you making choices and accomplishing goals that seem, you know, scary, um, or difficult. You know, it's important to make sure that your team, your squad has got your back and believes in you. So that's awesome. Uh, can I just, can I just add something to that? Just really quick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is your, don't you, don't you guys wish as gym owners that, people could feel what the community feels like when they walk in like the first time. Yes. Isn't that the goal? You know, like that is our goal so much is just to have, you're right. Have people like, you know, the first timer, whoever it is like walking through the doors or starting their fitness journey to immediately feel like part of the family. Yeah. We, we say hugs, good vibes and high fives, you know, and that's, which by the way, it's national high five day. So is it? Nice. Yeah. Nice. There it is. <laughs> but but also too, like people that aren't even aware that that's what they're coming there for and that's what they're going to yeah. get. That's like, to me, like the one thing I wish people just understood, like, I, you know, I have a gym and, and you guys understand you build this community where, you know, this is, you know, for most people, they, they grow up, they have their job, they have their family, and then maybe they have a third thing. And it's like, our gyms and the, these communities that we're creating is their third thing. Like no longer is the guy going to the Moose Lodge and the woman going to Canasta Club. Like yeah. what we're creating is like the third, you know, place in their in their lives. It's really incredible. Yeah, and it's so much more than just a fitness routine. It is a community, a place to, you know, build mindset, build health, of course, and, you know, cardio and muscle, whatever, but it's just so much more than that. And trying to communicate that in, you know, like a little ad on Instagram or Facebook is really difficult sometimes because it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. It it's is a vibe. It's a, vibe. a feeling. And and it's, you know, Angela, we talked about blue zones a little bit on, on the podcast that we did for Alpha Hippie and community and your, the people that you surround yourself with is such a massive part of people being healthy, living a long time and being happy. You know, if, if Susie is in your 6 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday class and she's not there for a week and you know that Susie is not out of town and she should be there, like someone is going to call Susie. Multiple people are going to call Susie mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on. Can we help? Um, you know, what can we do to get, get you back in here, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that that sense of family even if it's not your family, I mean, you know, human beings want to be a part of tribes. Human beings want to, to, you know, it's very against human nature to ostracize yourself. And, and it's, it's, you know, we, we love having groups of 30 or 40 or 50 people that, that are in like-minded doing the same things, heading for the same thing. And, and I think it's, you know, as you said, gyms or, or, you know, kind of what, what we have here is a way for people to get 
that sense of community that they probably haven't had since team sports or since shit, maybe never. Yeah. Maybe never, you know? And so it's, it's a really cool feeling. Angelo, do you want to talk a little bit about the community you've built and, you know, how you would describe the, the awesome people that, you know, show up and show out at, at your gym in O'Hare? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first thing is the, the coaches that I've had and they've been a part of my team for four or five years. And so I think that is, has been the thing that's really created just a consistent, um, culture, because when you think about, um, like the coaches and the, and the staff, we're sort of like the, the big brothers, big sisters, and the parents of the gym. And, and if you don't have a, a great dynamic where, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm the daddy in the gym and my wife's and my wife is, uh, the, the mommy and, and Susie's like the, the big sister. And, and, and so everyone like takes on these roles and it just creates a harmony that allows the community to, to know everybody like everybody, but everybody gets a little bit more with one. And then the, like it just in a, in a very healthy way. And, uh, the people are amazing. Like they, they celebrate birthdays and, and babies and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, people just at first came there just to do push-ups for time. And then they wound up finding these lifelong relationships. And what's really important too, and for anyone's journey is you're trying to make change. The first thing after you figure out what you need to do, you better get your environment right or you're fucked. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. We we gave a talk uh, at Amazon last night. And one of the things that we always tell people when we have lectures or conversations with them is like, you know, if you've got Oreos in the cabinet, then you're going to be eating the Oreos. But if you don't buy them and you don't create that environment and allow them in, they're not going to be there for you to, to reach for. Um, so, I mean, it goes with everything. Like, you know, where you work out, the types of people, like, are they in the gym? Like, Hey, you've got this, like, do you need, you know, you need help? Like, do you need a spot or whatever, as opposed to, you know, going into a gym and no one looks at you, everyone has ear pods in and it's a different feel. It's, it's like, you almost done with that. Like I need it. <laughs> it's right. different. Yeah. You're just alone. Even but if I, you're with people. I love what you had to say about your staff. Um, you don't know a lot about my background, but I've now, um, managed a bunch of different kind of boutique studios. And the one thing that I've found consistent throughout is if you build a staff, you know, through like love and mutual respect who want to be there for you, um, because you in turn are going to be there for them if they ever need you is just like the backbone. And I think that one of the, the hardest things in a gym is turnover um, or training. Like if you have teachers that are there for, you know, six months and then they quit and then the next teacher comes in. Um, so it sounds like you've really prioritized your staff. And I think that's important for everyone to hear because whether you're working in the fitness industry or you're in, you know, any industry and, um, you know, staff and, and loyalty and camaraderie, you know, you're, you're, clients feel that. Um, so how do you kind of continue to, to nurture those relationships? Wow. Such a great question. Um, I, I genuinely with all my heart care for everyone that works for me, whether they're remote or in person, like 
I, I take a responsibility with all of my heart that, that I'm liable to give them this great life because they're here with me right now, whether or not they're going to be with me forever. But at this moment they're with me. And so they're my responsibility. And, um, I try my best to, to show them that I, I really care about them as, as human beings. And I hope that that's what they feel in their hearts more, um, more than anything. I mean, I'm just, uh, I try my best to, to really communicate that, um, as much as I, I can. And, and what's really important too is, um, you know, they, they see me when I'm not at my best and, uh, you know, something about that, them seeing me that way, um, and, you know, being open and, and helpful when I'm being vulnerable is something that just created a great dynamic. That's really important. You know, and, and you mentioned that vulnerability, Angelo, and, and that's something that is a big part of your brand. Um, you know, before we dive into alpha hippie, I've, I kind of want to know, what led you to that journey of losing weight to begin with? Because I, I think that it's really difficult for people to, you know, when, when you're facing a mountain, it's, it's, you want to be at the top and you don't, you look at all these steps you got to take before you get there. And it, it's super daunting to people. And Carrie and I have had episodes on, you know, is motivation bullshit or, or, uh, is it real? Or, you know, we talk a lot with our clients and I have personal experience of when I started to care more about my my health and my fitness. And I started going to the gym and putting in the work, my confidence grew so much. And and that's one of the big things that I try to impart on my clients is empowering them to make those life-changing decisions and empowering them to, to work hard and earn that confidence. But I want to know what got you to that line? Like what got you into the gym? And, and you know, how did that journey to lose a hundred pounds start? And maybe How'd you get to that point? Yeah, this is all great stuff. Okay. Um, so my family, um, there was always a stigma about being, um, fat. Um, I just call it how it was, was called. And so, um, my father grew up, um, and in, in the city in Chicago and he was overweight and, um, a lot of kids picked on him. And when he was a young man, um, he didn't have much support at home, uh, to, to show him how to overcome things, um, just mentally and emotionally. And so as he grew up, he, he was fortunate also enough that he grew into a bigger man. And, um, as he got older, he used, um, violence and aggression to, to silence anything that, um, pointed out to him that he was fat or anything. And, uh, just so happens that his son grow, grew up, um, overweight. And, um, so this man, um, knowing that that was how he dealt with it and that made him feel good to be violent and aggressive. Um, when his son got fat, he gave him the same instructions. And, um, so being overweight was always a really big challenge for us. And then when my father went to prison in, um, August of 89, he wound up losing, um, real close to about 180 pounds, 190 pounds in prison. My father went to jail. He was a 400 pound man. He came out of jail. He was 210 pounds. And so he found this way to start exercising and losing weight. And this was right around the time that I was getting fatter. And so this idea of having to lose weight and not be fat and my dad asking my mom how many fucking Coca-Colas I drank and stuff like that, um, that was like constantly in my life. And it's probably a place mm -hmm. I still have a lot of trauma, but this is like where it began. And, um, when he came home, when I was in high school, I would try my hardest to lose weight and, 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 and do all that stuff. And I did, but I would like, you know, I would eat that Excedrin shit and then go try to lose weight, like from the nineties, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's how I did that stuff. And then, um, uh, 
I, I battled with this most of my life. And then when I was 20 years old, I was hit by a landscaping truck off my motorcycle and I was in the hospital for two months and rehab for five months. So I didn't walk for a really great period of time. And I still have screws and plates in my ankle and, and everything like that. And, uh, that, that started me gaining a lot of weight and, uh, right around a little bit after that time, my father and my mother divorced. And, um, I had this just robust identity um, wrapped around that the fact that my father went to prison for 11 years and that my parents stayed together. It was probably one of the the most prideful things that I really enjoyed about my life that I thought that it was a very big deal. And for my father to leave my mother at that time, I didn't understand why that would ever happen because I was a baby. I don't know, I was a baby, but I was in my early 20s. And I didn't understand that if the guy goes to jail for 11 years, he's probably not going to be the same person and neither is she. I didn't. I couldn't understand that at the time. And that really propelled me into a darker place where I would just eat like shit because I didn't really care about anything. And, um, and then so I uh, I watched that movie 300 and I was like, man, look how amazing these guys are. And I just started searching all this stuff. Gerard Butler, I find this thing called Jim Jones. And this is where he did all that training. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I started figuring out what Jim Jones is. And I was like, oh, they were part of this thing, CrossFit. And I found this thing, CrossFit. And uh, I just was watching videos and then I was like, man, and you know, I was getting more interested in it. And uh, I just told myself that the beginning of that year, this is like I'm a New Year's resolution, you know, to the max. And that was it. And uh, I started my first day and like I sucked so bad. No joke. I cried on my way home. I was just so like I had to do like burpee tests and stuff like that. And when you're just overweight and like my ankle was really stiff because I wasn't moving so much. And it was just I was a bag of dicks and I felt so terrible. (laughs) And uh And, uh, you know, but I knew that I was going to do this for me and this wasn't for anybody else. And, uh, like, this was like my chance to make me proud. And, uh, and that's what really propelled all this. Dude, you put one foot after another, like over and over and over again. And it's, I just, I got goosebumps hearing you tell that story. I mean, you've overcome so many obstacles and, um, you know, obviously having, you know, we can, we can always look back and connect the dots. We can't ever look forwards and do the same thing. Right. You know? And so you looking backwards and seeing how all these things made you who you are today, it doesn't make it any fucking easier as you're going through it, you know, at all. Um, but the fact that you've overcome those things has probably led you to have, have, I would imagine has led you to have some pretty thick skin at this point in time, when it comes to the bullshit that happens running a business or the bullshit that happens with, you know, friends and family every now and then. I mean, you know, you know, you, you've gone through it. Yeah. It's made me a complete fucking narcissist. I hate myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, you know what it is, is, uh, <laughs> you guys like that? Um, yeah. uh, but no, for real. The, the thing is, is when I was going through all that stuff, like when I first started working out and it was sad and all that stuff, that stuff is always really there, I think, for everybody on some level, just depending on how much it is. But how long it really lasts, I think, really shows you how motivated or not really motivated you are. Like you guys mentioned, like what motivation looks like to me. It's that moment when something really sucks, but how fast you turn that around, that that, that, that that's no big deal to me is like where motivation looks like in action. Yeah. And, uh, and I think when anyone's trying to wonder if they're motivated, I think that those moments are the ones, how fast you bounce out of that stuff really determines how motivated you are. Because when you think about someone that's unmotivated, they probably got, you know, kicked in the dick and then didn't get up. (laughs) Exactly. Do you have, I mean, from my experience, 
folks that we talk to who have reached that point, you know, such as yourself, where you said how motivated you are is an action, right? Like being able to get back up after getting kicked in the dick. Um, I'm sure at some point I talk like that in front of a woman. I'm so, (laughs) my wife would be so disappointed. Oh my gosh. If my parents, you know, I, for the longest time I begged them to listen to my podcast and then I, I don't beg anymore. (laughs) Cause I'm like, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't hear me say some stuff. Um, so for most people that have gotten to kind of this point, they had instances where they didn't get back up or like the times in their life when they really weren't motivated or, um, you know, didn't quite get to the point where was, I have got to make a change for me. Um, and that's, you know, mindset's one of the things that I talk about like 90% of the time, probably because when I was younger, I, I really had a terrible, terrible mindset and I didn't tell myself, um, good stories at all. And for someone like for you, how did you kind of learn to, to get back up? I mean, were there, are there certain things that you like to do or think or remind yourself of, or is it, you know, your family, your friends, like how do you motivate yourself when you really don't want to get back up? Especially back then when you were, yeah, yeah. it was day one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This, this is incredible because um, I never share it, but like when you, when I'm training or if I'm doing something really hard or if I'm going to like make like a really big lift, when I was younger, I used to say something very mean and like downfall. And then now I say something like very nice. So back then I was running on shame and fear and hate, mm. you know, and that's, and that was like, you know, and if you think about like most underdog stories, that's the fuel for a lot of them, you know, and I just started, yeah, I get you started. And that's and you know it's it's nitrous oxide. It doesn't last forever, but shit, it'll it'll really make some shit happen. And um, and that's where I was at at that time. I just was like, you know, like you know, I was gonna show people, and I was gonna do all these things. Like I wasn't just gonna be a flake. Nice. Yeah, and and that I so you know we have the intrinsic and extrinsic extrinsic motivation, and and it sounds like you had a little bit of a of a mix of both. You know, you you had this you know, fuck that. I'm not going to fucking continue to do this as well as a fuck that. I'm going to show these motherfuckers what's up yeah. <laughs> in, in the same, in the same kind of sentence, you, you kind of bottled lightning twice almost and, and let that be the, the fuel to propel you to lose almost a, you know, hundred pounds. It's incredible. And at, at what point did that, um, anger turn into, confidence or self-belief you know was it after you lost a little bit or during the business no way i would venture to say it 2015 2016 so what happened then you know so six years after you opened your gym yeah 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 this is a great wow what what a great thing to bring me to yeah this wasn't like i lost weight and i figured this out i um right around 2014 ish uh, maybe 2015 ish, we weren't growing in the business as fast as we once were. And, and, you know, without going into numbers and everything like that, like I had a year that I grew 275%, like it was just ridiculous. It was awesome, you know? And so when that wasn't happening a lot, I had a hard time with it at first. And I thought it was my team and I was, I really got into like a little victim and, um, 
and I was struggling and I started just like looking up books and things. And I was like, what the fuck is this emotional intelligence? And man, it's all about me. If I change me, all this stuff is going to get uh, better. And so I was just like, oh my God, what, a, why, who's been keeping this secret? All you got to do is fix you. <laughs> and uh, I, I, for real, I just was like, oh shit. That's it's it. on now. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know what, you know what I, you know what I think? Like, I'm like the kind of person, like, even though I could work well in groups, I think I'm the one that could do it better. Mm-hmm. Like, you just leave it to me. I got it. And I was like, oh, wait, you mean to tell me I just sit down, close my eyes a little bit, journal some shit. We're going to fix this. No problem. <laughs> so I, I started down this like great self-development path and really did a lot of intrinsic work and retreats and, and really looking into myself. Um, and, and when I got into that point, when I really just like loved myself um, fully, like when I really like, you know, loved my parents fully and forgave and like just opened up my heart. That's when this all really changed. But I did it. I would honestly say didn't have it till there, 2015, 16. Damn. That's, that's, that's going to be so valuable for like a lot of our listeners to hear because on the flip side of it, like you are also painting the picture of, I mean, it was work, right? Like this self-awareness, that emotional intelligence learning, you know, you know, relationship maturity, as well as, you know, self-awareness and self-confidence and self-love, like you really have to work at it for quite some time. And I mean, I mean, it's ongoing. It never fully ends, but especially when you're starting off, like when you have that awakening, it's some tough work at the beginning. Um, and it sounds like you, you put that work in. And so, so how did the gym do kind of after that? Oh, um, you know, the, the one thing that I could honestly say that I love the most is um, I've been able to create so much more and so much more quickly um, running on love versus running on hate. Mm. Um, so just so everyone – so you get a picture of it. So in 2015 or whatever, I just had the gym. And uh, if you look at my, my business life now, and I've had – much different endeavors in between it. But right now I have my gym. Um, I do consulting for, for boutique gyms. I, um, I have a nutrition coaching company with someone that I've mentored um, and hired as a coach from an intern all the way till now owning a business with her. I have another company called Conquer Athlete, which is with my my dear friend and mentor Jason Leiden out of CrossFit Milford, where we deliver programming for for CrossFit athletes. And then um, I have Alpha Hippie, which is um, my love and passion, which is my podcast. And now I've developed uh, the course with. So like I've been able to do so all of that stuff just in three years, you know what I mean? Versus where I was before. And that's what I, I think is the most amazing about it. Then that's what really made me a believer that you could be happy and still be ambitious because I, for a long time resisted that because if I thought you were like happy, go lucky, like you were just a dunce, you know, that you were just sitting around and, and people were just beating you. And that right. was like a fear I had a long, for a long time that I was going to like lose my edge. And <clears throat> it took me a while to get over that. But once I did, everything worked itself out. So, Th- that that thought of you know you, alpha hippie right where did you come up with that yeah so i was um i was doing a uh a retreat in, in California and i came home and i was telling uh some people at my gym about uh what i was doing exactly and they were like looking at me like i was crazy you know i i'm a i'm an italian I'm Italian Catholic. I mean, this is, 
you know, my life. So, I mean, a lot of these things are kind of taboo or not with that, you know, around our, our area. And so I was like, you know, you guys don't understand this cause you're not an alpha hippie. And mm-hmm. we just started laughing and, uh, I went and I was like, man, I'm going to go find a shirt that says alpha hippie. And I started looking it up and I didn't really see anything. And so I was like, man, I guess I got to make it. And so I, I designed like a, a outline of the logo and then someone made it a little bit prettier. And then I, um, I was like, man, I'm going to print out some shirts. And so instead of just printing out a little bit, I printed out a hundred shirts and I would just pass them out to people that I really, really liked and admired. And they would, you know, take pictures wearing the shirts and stuff like that. And I was like, man, what a, what a real cool thing this alpha hippie is. And I was like, well, what else, what else would be really great? And I was like, how about if I talk with my friends and we just talk about this stuff? Cause I love to talk about this stuff every day. And so I made the podcast and the podcast is, um, at the end of May, it'll be about a year. It'll be a year. And then, um, last year I was in a really creative rut. I didn't really have anything to, to make new. And when I get that way, I get really frustrated. And I just started journaling about what really frustrates me because I think that's the best stuff to, to start doing because you're creating solutions for your, the things that you don't like. And so, uh, one of the things that really, um, gets me going is when men aren't living a very purposeful honor kind of life. I really, I really take a lot of pride in being a man before I'm any of these other hats that I wear, a husband, a brother, a business owner, any of that stuff. And, uh, so I basically kind of just created a curriculum based off the things that I've done to, to get to where I am. Not not that I have all the answers, but I've been uh, doing the work a little bit more than, than some, and I'm creating this course to share it with other men. And so it's where we are now. Define what a purposeful life for a man looks like in your eyes. Sure. Um, this is a great question. So for me, I believe that every man and every human, but I specifically work with men more, nothing against women. I just feel that I can't understand certain things about you just because of biology. And there's nothing more than that and or anatomy, excuse me. And so I, um, back to what I was saying, Every man should create what I believe is a set of values, much like people do for businesses. Like we have these things all when we're making a business, we have core values and we have a mission and humans just don't have any of that stuff. And so my biggest thing is that you should create a set of values that you really want to live by. And if you don't even know what that is, just think about, man, if someone was at a party talking about you, what would they want? What attributes would they would you want them to say about you? And you then once you've really identified those values and they feel right and true, It's your job and responsibility to do your very, very best to live according through those values and use that in the lens of your life. No matter if you're being a husband, you're being a father, you're being a businessman, this is it. This is what defines you. And then everything else is after that. What are yours? Oh, you don't think I write them down every day? You know, I'll rattle them off. Discipline, (laughs) consistent, uh, discipline, uh, integrity, consistency, love, and passion. Beautiful. I love the passion. Yeah. So the first couple, di- discipline, consistency, how does that manifest itself for you on a daily basis? And and not necessarily as like, you know, hey, what's Angelo's morning routine or, or anything like that, but how do you cultivate discipline and consistency? Because I believe that both those things are key factors to success, regardless of what you're doing. You know, I really subscribe to the chip, chip, chip away at whatever it is you're working on, you know, the keep your streak alive, which we had kind of discussed is just doing something every day, you know, so how do you personally cultivate consistency and discipline in your life? Yeah. Um, great question. So, uh, yeah, I do. I think consistency is the most under complimented attribute of someone, even if you're a dick, I applaud you 
for being a dick every day. <laughs> you know, because that that's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. At least you're genuinely a dick. Yeah, yeah you, authentically oh. a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's respectable in my opinion. It's you guys that are wavering all around that it's hard. Um, so uh, discipline and consistency, how does it show up in my life? Uh, I am very, very fortunate that I have a really um, good ability to focus on things when I uh, really want to get them done. And uh, through trial and error of working on my schedule and, and routines, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pr- pretty, what was the right word to say? I'm just pretty disciplined with it. So I, what I do is, is if I, if you, you heard that my business interest is, I basically have five, five projects that I'm working on. And so what I do is, is every day of the week, Monday is for O'Hare CrossFit, Tuesdays for this, Wednesdays for this, Thursdays for this, Fridays for this. So at the end of every week, what I do on tomorrow is I write down which ones I need to do on that day. And then I just have right around three, maybe up to five if they're, if on the smaller tasks and, um, I don't do any, I mean, I do my morning routine and I work out, um, and I coach if I have to, but then nothing else happens in my day till those things are done. What what is your, what does your morning routine look like? Yeah, sure. So I'm a, I'm a big journaler. So I wake up, um, I do the five minute journal and then, uh, my wife and I have a couples or journal that we, we write together every day. Um, then I write a list of affirmations and then I just journal about anything that's on my mind. And lately what I've been really doing is I, I feel like life is broken down in three parts. You have yourself, you have your work and you have your relationships. And so I write one focus uh, for the day in each of those areas. And uh, then I just journal about anything else that's on my mind. And then once I'm done with that, I uh, sit down and I do uh, three to five rounds of uh, Wim Hof, um, three with the mouth and two nasal. And then I uh, do a seated meditation for anywhere between five to 10 minutes. And uh, that's my that's my morning routine. Takes probably around like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but it's it's I love it. It really keeps me centered. And and are you you know, discipline and consistency is that obviously you're going to miss day here and there, or I don't know, maybe you don't, is that a, like an everyday thing for you? Yeah. You want to know something every single time. I can't believe I'm so human. Every single time I miss a day and I screw it off and I wake up and it's usually like on a Saturday, 48 hours, bet your ass, me and my wife are fighting. Cause I'm an asshole and it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. I get so mad at myself. I go, this is it. You're look at you right now. You're fucking screaming like an idiot all because you didn't sit down for 10 minutes. You think you had to go somewhere. And that's I even beat myself up worse. Well, you know what? It sounds like you're subconsciously giving yourself a reason to wake up the next morning to then journal about your relationship. <laughs> God damn it. It's the worst. I get so mad. So I do mess up. And every time I do mess up, I go. But this is that's the truth, guys. That's 110 percent honesty about it. I mean, I would dare to say that um, let's say a, a month is 30 days. I get. Um, right around like 29 times. I'm, I'm pretty disciplined with it. That's fantastic. And and that obviously leads to to great growth and success. I mean, even over the past three years, you've, you've done an incredible amount of things, just a volume of things, you know, and I think that that batching technique you talk about of, you know, Mondays is for O'Hare and Tuesdays is for this and Wednesdays is for that. For somebody like me who, you know, I've got ADHD like a motherfucker. I mean, I've been prescribed Adderall, for, you know, since college, I don't take it at all. Um, haven't in years, but I have a really difficult time focusing on things like really, really difficult time. And so batching has actually helped me a lot. Same with just setting a timer, 
you know, like uh, I've got one hour to do this task and putting my phone on airplane mode, fucking getting Instagram off, off of here, you know, getting away from the TV or whatever other distraction I got. A, a lot of times it's, it's forcing myself not to do something physical um, and just sit down and just knock it out. So that batching technique, I'm glad it works for you because it's another example of, of, you know, something that I should probably adopt more of. Correct. Well, I mean, having discipline being one of your words, um, I think if people are interested in the batching technique, I've found that the hardest thing is the first like two or three weeks, because it's like you have five different spinning tops and you're trying to get them all spinning at the exact same time in like in sync. And so when you first start, you know, on Monday, when you're doing gym stuff, you're still getting emails for all the other stuff that then you have to sit on Tuesday and then, you know, weed out those emails until finally there's this routine where there's this rhythm to it. Um, those things will appear on the days that you are going to be working on them, I guess. Um, so I'm sure discipline helps with that, but yeah, you got to really put it out there too, that <clears throat> people could expect that. That, I mean, it takes a little bit of time to get the people that are around you, especially like for me, I was in a very reactive kind of workflow at the time before I started doing that. It takes time. It takes, it took me a month to get people done, you know, it, Hey, this is urgent for you, but not urgent for me, you know, and really, mm. really setting up those boundaries. And that's, that's one thing, no matter what you want to do, it doesn't matter. Like for most people, I'm willing to say that, you know, getting on some sort of routine is really important, but protecting your routine is more important. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, what's the phrase that a, a a dumb program followed perfectly will be better than a great program that's not followed or bought into at all. Wow. You know, something along those lines, I guess. Yeah. Yes, sir. But um, so we talked a lot. We talked about your, you know, the words that you identify with, um, and something that we ask everybody on all of our podcasts, uh, I think, is similar you know, on that train of thought, uh, we ask everybody at the end of our podcasts, um, what their definition of impact is. So Angela, what is, how do you define impact? Leaving it better than you found it. Uh, the last guy we had on talked about that as well, which mm -hmm. is really interesting. He gave the, the campsite analogy is, is that similar to, to yours? You know, Hey, I, I had a spot at, at, at the beach, I'm going to pick up the piece of trash and leave it. You know, like, like what about leaving it better than you found it is important to you? I think that's what your goal should be in every interaction. I hope right now that I left your audience feeling uh, educated and enlightened and laughed a little bit. I hope I left a positive impact on them. And if I didn't, I'm, you know, that was not my intention. I think you just have to look at every interaction as being that way is leaving it better than you found it. Yeah. I so love that. looking at everything as an opportunity you know, yeah. And, and just in, when you do the right thing, oh, there's a satisfaction that the best food in the world can't give you. Like it's just another feel. It's just such a great feeling when you do that right thing, especially when no one knows. Oh, my God. It's like uh, for me, it's like a drug. It's like the greatest thing. It's like a little game you could play with yourself and just lay yourself up to be proud. And I think for a lot of people, they don't have places in their life where they get like momentum to like really kick ass. But guess what? If you walk past the garbage and it was a little full and you grab the garbage and you throw it out like that's an example of going out of your way to do the right right thing. And so it doesn't always need to be glorious. It could be anything. It could be just moving your parking spot so your wife could get out of there or your partner could get out of there easier. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. yeah. I've got one for you that I think you might like. Um, not a lot of people know this about me, but um, growing up, uh, my mom and I and my sister used to collect uh, lucky pennies, pennies with heads up. Uh, so if I'm ever out and I see a penny, but it's tails up, I'll just flip it and I'll leave it there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Angelo, your, your alpha hippie masculinity course. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that and how people can find it. Yeah, sure. So alpha hippie masculine mastery is a course that I created, um, you know, to really help men grow and live a, a more purposeful life. And it's definitely for anyone that um, knows that there's more, uh, there should, you know, they're capable of more, but maybe they really need the tools. Um, it's, it's really a good course for men that are really trying to understand what it's like to become a little bit more enlightened. That's that's, that's the group that I really um, and love working with the most is the guy that doesn't know this stuff. Like I love being a part of the aha after that, like more than likely, as long as you could ride that out, you're going to be okay. But like, I love being a part of that. So any man that just knows that, Hey man, life just doesn't feel tremendous right now. And I'd like some help figuring some stuff out. I'd love to, to work with you. And, uh, the course is uh, 10 weeks long. Uh, we have calls every week. You have different site types of homework and assignments and, and stuff like that. And I really, I really put it on people right away because 10 weeks isn't a lot of time. And so we got to get uncomfortable quickly and that's just a part of the game. And so being open to that is, is a requirement. And, and that vulnerability is, is really key. And it's something that a lot of guys don't, don't really tap into. I mean, you know, you grew up in an Italian Catholic environment, you know, probably there's no crying in baseball. I was gonna say, not really talking about feelings <laughs> right. at dinner. Right, right, right. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you see with guys in your course who are, are maybe, you know, stepping over that vulnerability line for the first time? Oh man, there's, you know, it's the, there's some people that really run into it. There's a little bit of resistance that maybe they need a couple people to go in front of them to see that it's okay. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's such a courageous act and it also requires, um, people to feel really safe. Um, to really step out there, you know, because there's that moment and, you know, if there's any doubt in the people that they're looking at and, and, and connecting with, um, they're going to pull back. And so I do my very best to really just help men feel like it's okay to, to talk about their feelings and also to... Um, you know, I feel like the way I speak about feelings really helps men get comfortable with it because I'm not sitting here um, changing the, my tone of voice. You know, I, I talk, you know, in a certain kind of dialect, I guess you could say. And so I think I... I have a unique way of helping people articulate their feelings that probably are you're not going to say it in necessarily the most uh, grammatical or uh, you know amazing way, but we're going to get it out, and that's what's really important. And and do you find getting it out even in in you know you mentioned you're a big journaler, um, it, is that a great way for guys or you know anyone to get out feelings that maybe they don't want to say or tell their friend or talk to their mom about? You know is is journaling a good solution for that maybe a good first step yeah what a, what a great question so uh for me journaling is like this whenever you you're hanging out with someone and uh your buddy's got girl problems and he's saying his story the first thing you go is like oh god you dumb fuck i got all the answers why can't you just see it and so that's literally what you get to do with yourself when you journal is mm -hmm. you get to get out of the cuckoo-ness and you get to take a step and go you're being absolutely ridiculous 
you know, this isn't like this. Go on with your day. And like you could really learn how to develop a, a great intuition and understanding of yourself. I think it's I, I don't know why it's not taught all everywhere that this should be a part of people's lives. It's just, you know, a lot of people uh, believe that, uh, you know, we're all really connected and this whole universe carries all the answers. But the universe is inside of us. And uh, if you knew that was true, you would start looking in you more than you're looking in anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, we're made of the same stuff the universe is made of. So, you know, um, that that looking outward as opposed to looking inward. What do you think the first step is for people to begin looking inward? You know, um, I, I play this game with myself and I think maybe it's a fun little game that I do is um, like I say something really crazy, like, you know, like just whatever, like when you're driving or, you know, if some, like you could go down a path where you say something that's not, uh, you know, not very favorable or you probably wouldn't do, but you say something really crazy. You could laugh and rest assured knowing that someone else has thought that thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, that's what I love the most. I laugh. I go, yeah, somebody else probably thought that they should rip out this guy's uh, tire and beat him <laughs> half to death. Too. And just start <laughs> laughing at myself because we're all really like connected and we all have these like cuckoo thoughts. And uh, the faster you could like make make friends with that part of you, uh, you're just going to you're going to make bigger breakthroughs because um, that voice becomes your friend and you guys could have more fun than than before. I love that, man. Mm-hmm. How can, um, so people finding this course, uh, could you give the the website again where they can look for it and find it, sign up? Oh, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Uh, alphahippiepodcast.com. Uh, um, you'll see masculine mastery right up there. Um, if you have any questions as well, uh, they could be connected, uh, on Instagram as well. Dude, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Guys, I have to tell you something. I love the two host format. Thank Do you. you? Tell I, us more. I, I, I was, I was going to say us. that. Tell me I, more. I, it, it just gives such a nice balance. You know, like, you know, it it has just a, a great energy to it. You know what I mean? It's just, um, you know, like, Dave, you come with like a, a, the masculine side of things and like, how do I apply this? And then you back out and you're like hold on a second. These people don't even know what we're talking about here. And then you, you conceptualize it. And it's like a nice harmony between you two to do that. I don't know if you guys have thought about that, but that's what I felt uh, when we were doing this. Thank you so much for that. Cause we, we really do try and hit these topics from as many angles as we can, because as coaches, I think our strengths, both Dave and myself are that we really know our weaknesses um, and everyone's going to learn differently. And so if we can ask questions in multiple different ways, um, maybe someone out there can hear it for, you know, the 10th time, but then understand it yeah, and no, be I, able to practically use it, um, you know, in their lives. No, I, I really think you guys, you, it's a very nice show. It's, it's really good questions and the dynamics. Awesome. For real. Well, thank you so much. And thank you again for chatting with us and your story was awesome. And it's definitely going to resonate with a lot of people. So thank you for sharing it for sure. Thank you. No, my pleasure. guys me again if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends we would really appreciate it the more downloads we get the more people we can reach and hopefully the more lives that we can change so spread the love and keep grinding on y'all you got this
if you ever need some support or a helping hand, you know that Dave and I are only one message away. You can find me at carry.wade and you can find him at get strapped, stay strapped.